The Super Bowl is not just a sporting event. It's an annual entertainment spectacle. But how did the Super Bowl live up to its name so much? Why is football so deeply rooted in American life? And what does America's love of sport tell us about their national identity? In this episode, we explore how a national sport became a multi-billion dollar economy as we answer the question, what makes the Super Bowl so super? Welcome to America, a history podcast. I'm Liam Heffernan, and every week we answer a different question to understand the people, the places, and the events that make the USA what it is today. From the faculty this week and making his professional debut on the podcast is Thomas Smith, Professor of American Literature and Culture and Deputy Director of Area Studies at the University of East Anglia. Hi, Tom. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, good, thanks. Happy to be here. And our special guest today is a guy who, to many NFL podcast fans, will be a very familiar voice. He's one of the hosts of The Athletic Football Show and all-round expert of the sport. Uh, Welcome to the show, Robert Mays. It's good to be here. I think that's a loosely used term, but uh, I, I appreciate it nonetheless. Uh, well, by by our standards, you are very much uh, the expert on today's episode. So uh, you are. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, and I hope that we can start to kind of break down in this, I'm sure, brief discussion about exactly how football has become so important and, and, and so huge in America. Uh, but I'm going to just caveat before we dive into this that when we say football in this episode, we are talking about American football, as I'm sure we have a lot of non-US <laughs> listeners. Uh, soccer uh, will be referred to as, well, proper football, as we call it. <laughs> um, but let's just kick off firstly with with you, Robert, um, because obviously Tom and I are both English. We we don't really get the whole thing around American football, even though it's starting to sort of take off a bit overseas. Um, so tell us, what are your first memories of, of American football and how did you get into it? I would say the first memory that is kind of crystal clear for me was the Super Bowl in 1995. The Niners were playing against the Chargers. And Steve Young and that, that Niners team was fantastic. But that just certainly wasn't the first time I interfaced with American football. I don't remember a time in my life that didn't involve football. I'm from outside Chicago. My dad was a huge Bears fan. You know, from the time I was four, five, six years old, we spent Sundays watching Bears games. So I just remember and have real memories of Brett Favre just ripping out my heart as the Bears played the Packers twice a year. And, you know, that's how I grew up. It was just a communal thing. It was a familial thing. My grandparents, my very Italian grandparents would come over with just like a tray of various Italian deli meats and the game would start at noon and we would all sit down with lunch and that's kind of how it would go. And then I was probably six or seven when my dad got season tickets to the Bears as part of his job. So we would go to two, three, four games a year at Soldier Field. And you know that became just kind of this really foundational experience and kind of connection that I had with my father. And it, it extended throughout my life. You know, I was, I've always loved football. I played football in high school. It was probably 87% of my identity from ages 12 through 18. And then when I got into the workforce and started to be uh, you know, sports in sports media and a journalist, I gravitated toward a job that allowed me to write about football consistently. So I, it's been a huge part of who I've been since as long as I can remember. 
And do you think that's just something that, I mean, it sounds like what you're describing is it? it's really just instilled in you as you grow up. You know, football is really just a part of life. I think that's true. You know, people go to church on Sunday and then they go watch football games. I mean, it's a, it's an institution. And you know, so for some people, that may not be true. You know, that's just the way that I grew up. I, I wonder if my dad didn't watch football, if I would have loved it. And I think the answer is probably yes. You know, there's something it's it's. There's an example that I use now that's kind of very far away from that. My fiance's cousin, he's 11 years old, I think. He grew up in Israel. They didn't have football when he was a kid. He didn't watch football, he didn't watch sports, and his parents aren't big sports fans. He moved back to the States probably two, three years ago, and he loves football. And he asked me about it all the time. And it almost reminds me of that Jeff Goldblum line from Jurassic Park, where it's like, life finds a way. It's kind of one of those moments where you know football can find a way, even if it's not kind of ingrained in the fabric of who you were as a kid. So even outside of the cultural aspects and just the osmosis through which you really get accustomed to it, I do think that there's something transfixing about the sport. And when people start watching it and start getting into it, there is something that can pull them in, even if it's not necessarily how they grew up. Mm. Yeah, and I think the closest that we probably get to that is you know soccer over here you know is something that most people have a have a team um that they support but there's something just a bit different about the kind of the, the fandom around you know soccer versus american football so tom i wonder if as someone who's not really connected to the world of american football as a, an impartial international um observer you know mm-hmm. what do you think it is that makes american football so american well i, I suppose there's something uh, around soccer the fact that it is a global sport in a in a very different way that perhaps means that while it's a, a kind of key part of a certain kind of, of British identity, it's also part of a global conversation around around soccer, right? But I think there's probably that element of American exceptionalism still in the spectacle of American football that gives it a different position in relation to American identity. That sense that that really this is only something that does happen in America. Now, of course, you know, there is a global element to American football too, undoubtedly, and um, and you can see how popular the NFL games in London are. But in a sense, that popularity is still rooted in the degree to which, you know, it gives you an opportunity to to see something that is so distinctively American playing out in London, if you like. Mm. So it's, uh, it's it almost a, kind of amplifies that sense of exceptionalism. But I think also... As popular and ingrained as soccer is in the in the British national imagination, the popularity of American football, I think, outstrips it within the American context, right? So if you take an event like the FA Cup final, which is, you know, a, a significant event on the sporting calendar for people who, who like soccer, uh, that's probably got a bigger global audience than the Super Bowl, right? I think it's about 500 million, all told. But in terms of its actual significance within the UK, you can happily go about your life on FA Cup final day and have no interaction with football, right? It, it, it can leave you untouched. It does not penetrate British culture in the same way. But, you know, the Super Bowl, the, the proportion of Americans who are watching the Super Bowl as the Super Bowl happens, engaged in something that is probably the, the most unifying ritual slash spectacle in American life, right, is completely incomparable. So, so yeah, so I think the, the comparison with soccer is an interesting one because it does... It does kind of just serve to highlight how how much American football does sit at the centre of American culture in, in lots of ways, in a way that soccer does and doesn't in England. Yeah, and I mean, you've segued very nicely onto the Super Bowl. So uh, why don't you give us a bit of a whistle-stop tour of, sort of the history of how the Super Bowl sort of came to be? Well, I think probably to understand American football, you've got to go back 
to about the middle of the 19th century. I mean, that's where I generally like to start with most things. So that's probably part of part of my rationale there. But I think what's difficult to imagine uh, about America's relationship to sport is the degree to which at that point, you know, around about 1850, there really isn't any kind of recognizable sporting culture in America at that point. If we talk about the sporting life in America before then, what we're thinking about is horse racing, blood sports, hunting, cockfighting, gambling. You know, sp- the sporting life is completely associated with a kind of very shady underworld, if you like, a very kind of morally dubious um, part, of, part, of, part of culture. And so sport is kind of you know, outside of the social pale in many ways, right? It's very much associated with, um, uh, with, 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 with behavior that is often frowned upon. So it's not until the middle of the 19th century that America really imports what has been developing in Britain, which is a new sense that, that sport, and particularly team sport, is an important thing for developing particularly the character of young boys uh, and shaping them into kind of future leaders in preparing them for war, in, uh, into, in building character, you know, that, that kind of sense that we have of, of sport still as being something that is good for young people to direct their energies into. Um, so, so America kind of imports that from, from the British system. And American football develops then in the late 19th century against a backdrop where there is also an anxiety about masculinity in America, a sense that, that young American men are perhaps too, too, too effete, too feminized, too soft, not ready for war. And so American football becomes really wrapped up in also that, that sense of, um, of, of reinstating a certain idea of, of manliness in American culture. And, you know, it really is like seen as a metaphor for war, right? And, and also a kind of as, as close to war as you can get without being at war. Uh, and so famously, Stephen, Stephen Crane, when he writes the novel The Red Badge of Courage, which is about the Civil War, when, it, when, when it's published, everyone who reads it says, oh, Stephen Crane, he must have must have fought in the war. There's no way he he didn't fight in the Civil War. And Stephen Crane wasn't even born when the Civil War takes place. And he actually says in a letter to a friend, they all think I served, but actually I got my my sense of rage on the football field. So right from the start, American football is about violence, spectacle, national identity, war, all of those things are wrapped up in it. And, you know, it is surprisingly violent. There is famously, in 1905, 19 young Americans die playing American football. And so... You know, when we talk about contemporary issues around the, the dangers of the game, I guess, which is certainly one of the conversations that, that surrounds it, that goes deep into into American culture as well. But it's not. But what we need to remember as well, I guess, is that until about the middle of the 20th century, so, you know, for about 100 years, when you think about America, what is America's national sport is baseball. Right. There's no there's there's, there's no debate on that. Baseball completely captures the American sporting centre ground and, and American football is, 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 is far more marginal, right? It doesn't define American culture in the way that it does now. It really is around the, the 1960s, late 60s, 70s, at the same time that the Super Bowl first takes place. That's the point at which American football really starts to, to become the national sport, to become more popular than baseball. And it's interesting that it's against that backdrop of the Vietnam War and the kind of polarisation of American society that we think of in the late 60s that actually America also unifies around American football at that point and there's a famous quote from um, Washington Post journalist uh, Mary McCrory at that point she says um, baseball is who we were uh, and football is who we are so there's that sense that baseball represents a kind of nostalgic vision of, of, of what American life was and American football has come to define 
what American life is, and that probably still holds true, I think, in the 21st century. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And that like, takes us nicely into sort of the modern day where it feels like the Super Bowl has sort of transcended any kind of fan base around just American football and has become this like massive spectacle in its own right. Robert, as someone who's you know lives in America and experiences the Super Bowl every year, do you kind of agree with that? Do you do you, do you need to be an American football fan to be a Super Bowl fan? I don't think so. And I think that, like Tom alluded to, that, that time period where American football kind of rises to the top of American consciousness in a sporting sense, in the middle of the 1960s, that's when television ownership across America started to explode. You know, So by 1966, when the first Super Bowl happens, you've gone to about 93, 95% of American homes owning a television set, and most of those are in color. That's not an accident. Football is a perfect sport for TV. It translates to television in a way that really no other sport does because it's the perfect blend of action and downtime. So it can be this sort of communal conversation, but there is violence. There is kind of these spurts of spectacle like spliced into what can be a fairly laid back interaction with your friends, your family, whoever. And I think that one of the reasons that the, the Super Bowl really stands out now is that culture outside of these singular athletic events has become so fragmented, right? There is no more MASH finale where 105 million people are watching one singular television event. Sports are the only place where that continues to happen. And the reason that football stands out even among the sporting landscape is every other major American sport, you play a series of games to determine a champion. So if you knew around the NBA finals or the NH Stanley Cup playoffs or the World Series, what day game seven would be happening, that game seven would be an inevitability, there would probably be a more singular television event around that moment. But there isn't. You don't know. It could be four games. It could be five games. You play an entire series. And I honestly think the limited action associated with football is one of the reasons that its popularity has been driven up so high. There are 16, there's now 17 NFL games a season. Every game is deeply important. If you lose a Tuesday baseball game in may it doesn't really matter you know you just kind of keep moving on the same goes for the nba but if you lose an nfl game it'll ruin people's weeks because of how important it is on but unlike college football if you do lose a game your season isn't over so it's this perfect blend of high stakes all the time and it's perfectly made for tv so i think that as we've lost some of these kind of communal collective activities and events in American culture and in culture at large, sporting events and NFL games specifically kind of rise to that moment because there are a bunch of different aspects to what they are that I think kind of makes them this magnet for just communal interest. Do you think that over time that the the competitiveness and in, in Tom's words, the, the, the violence uh, that was um, so um, often associated with American football 
do you think that events like the Super Bowl kind of diminish that a little bit because they become more about the entertainment than they do about the sport? I think that that could be true in a sense, but I also think that I, it's hard for me to see it that way just because I'm so ingrained in the football and the tactics of it. But I think that the way the sport has gone, period, we're in a golden age of offensive football because of rule changes and the way that the game has shifted. So you watch a game like this year's Super Bowl, and even if you're not a football fan, I think intrinsically you understand that something exciting is happening. You know, as teams are trading points and as we get to see, you know, Patrick Mahomes, who kind of stands alone as this just this ideal of what beautiful American football can look like. And then you contrast that with a team like the Eagles that was excellent offensively. I think that what we expect out of these teams has changed. Passing has become so much more efficient over time. The game itself, I think, has become less about brutality and more about the sense of beauty that is possible. And I think even if you are not a football fan, my fiance doesn't know anything about football. I think she can sit there and watch Patrick Mahomes and there's something just intuitive about knowing that something different is happening now and i think that that's where the game has gone to an extent and i i think i would add to that 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 i would from an american studies perspective it's because the super bowl has the halftime show it has the adverts it's this mixture of entertainment commerce and sport and this kind of moment of communal coming together that's what really makes it such a fascinating moment i think you know we if it was just the pure sport then it would still you know have a lot of resonance but the fact that it brings together all of these different aspects of, of popular culture um into one into one into one package that, that that seems to really powerfully define certain aspects of american culture it's precisely because of that kind of commercialization and and diversification outside of the football that's what makes it such a, a, a defining moment probably Celebrity, capitalism, militarism. Yes. I mean that you you got you got an American Sunday right there. <laughs> and and I guess uh, well that sort of takes me on to my next question, which is about the international appeal of American football. Because as you say, Robert, it's uh, it's quintessentially American um, in in almost every possible way. The Super Bowl, but uh, the sport generally is starting to find an audience internationally you know as tom mentions there are now games held every year in london so there, there is a growing fan base worldwide why do you think that now is the time that american football is starting to gain traction um, around the world i would have to assume that some of it has to do about it with availability you know the way that these games are broadcast and the fact that we have streaming access and you can kind of watch them everywhere i think that has to be part of it just the rise of the internet I mean, I mean, think the last like 25, 30 years have played a huge role in it. If you're a British NFL fan, you can easily access any content about American football that you want to access. Podcasts are worldwide. You can you know, read anything, any site that's writing about American football. So I think that the ability to learn about it has the barriers to entry are lower than they've ever been. And I think that has to be a part of it. This is anecdotal, certainly, but a lot of our most engaged listeners are international listeners. You know, we do occasional listener mailbags once a month, once every two months. A lot of the most thoughtful questions that we get are from people watching the game in Denmark or in the UK or Ireland or Brazil. And I think that it's almost this self-selecting process where if you have taken care to really love and learn the game from afar, you're probably a pretty thoughtful fan. This isn't something that you just stumbled into. So watching 
not only the international audience grow, but seeing what it's comprised of has been a particularly enlightening experience for me. And do you do you think that the the people that are now finding a love for American football, do you think that the, the gateway into that is the entertainment? You know, things like the Super Bowl, the halftime show, the 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 fact that the sport is wrapped in this sort of commercialism, or is it the fact that they have a love for that sport and then they're drawn in and kept there by the spectacle? Again, anecdotally, I feel like it's more the latter. I think that people stumble into it in kind of these strange, random ways. One of my favorite things is talking to UK or just international fans in general about why they love a certain team. And it's often not because they saw that team play in the Super Bowl. It's for reasons that have nothing to do with that. And again, I think that a lot of the exposure that I've had to international NFL fans, they care about the tactics and they care about you know the actual nuts and bolts of how the game works, similar to how I would have kind of described American Premier League fans 10, 15 years ago, where you really have to care. You really have to want to be into this because even if there are more avenues to watch it as technology has changed, time differences are still a thing. You know, if you want to watch Sunday night football, you got to be up till three in the morning. It's the same thing. If you want to be a Premier League fan, you got to be up at 6 a.m. every Saturday to watch it over here. So I think that there are less casual, fewer casual fans just because there are still those hoops that you need to jump through to really care about it. So I think something as kind of fleeting as oh, I really enjoyed, you know, watching Lady Gaga at halftime. Maybe I'll care about the NFL. I think that that holds less weight than the actual substance of what the sport is for people. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Tom, you, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, there was this transitional period in the 20th century where sort of baseball was sort of replaced by American football uh, in a sense. And do you think that the timing of certain external world events can sometimes contribute to certain sports um, and I guess even wider, any sort of pastime being kind of clinged onto by people? You know, I think, I guess in a very long-winded way, what I'm asking is, do you think that if world events had been different, that people still would have found football in the way they do now and the sport would still be as big as it was now? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, th- I think I'm right in saying that a couple of years ago there was a there was some sense that maybe there might be a decline in the popularity of football post some of the issues around you know, injuries, head injuries, some other scandals, the politicisation of the NFL. I think there, there was a moment at which that, that might have seemed as if the NFL was going to be dislodged slightly from from its position in American life. But I, but I think it's also true that the last few years have completely um, kind of re- overturned that narrative again. I think the last Super Bowl was almost the most the most viewed Super Bowl, I think second second in, in history. And yeah, this international interest seems to grow. And I think it's really interesting to think about the way that, that podcasts have a role to play in that. And I think uh, maybe um, 
streaming services as well. I think, you know, Netflix has had a lot of sports documentaries on it, focused around different cultures of American football, um, high school football, college football, uh, and maybe that's helped. But yeah, do, yeah, and, and, but undoubtedly, I think socio cultural political factors always um, determine the position of, of, of the popularity of, of things like sport. It is difficult to imagine American football being dislodged. But if we were sitting here in the 1930s, it would be difficult to imagine baseball being dislodged as, as the sport that, 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 that defined American life. So, so, so perhaps ultimately it will, it will crumble, but it's very difficult to see that at the moment. But on the mm-hmm. other hand, I, I, I also think it's unlikely that, that American football will ever be fully embraced outside of America. Right? I think it's always had a hardcore of fans um, in this country. Uh, and I mean, I remember growing up in the 80s when Channel 4 first started showing bits of American football, kind of edited edited programs. And I think, you know, that 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 always seemed like an amazingly exotic spectacle at that point. Uh, and, you know, it's probably part of the ingredient as, as to why I'm, why I'm, I'm an Americanist these days. It's just a kind of cultural backdrop. But yeah, but, but it, it's always, it's, as, as you say, time differences and those kind of logistical problems always make it seem difficult for it to, to really capture um, the British imagination. But um, it'd be interesting to see how that develops as well. Yeah, and uh, there's there's a lot that we still need to unpack about about American football. And actually, Robert, I think we need to get you back for an episode uh, in the future just to explain the rules to us at some point because it's <laughs> endlessly confusing to me. But I want to sort of wrap up by asking a probably quite an annoyingly vague question um, to each of you, which is: Is American football too American? No, no, I, I think no, not for me. I think that's what makes it so interesting as 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 a, as, a, as a subject for 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 study, for examination, right? It's the, the way that it seems to to ooze Americanness. Uh, you know, diluting that would seem would seem to to really strip it of some of its fascination for ex, for an external observer, right? That's uh, the, the the fact that it, it seems to embody a kind of peak Americanness at, at certain points, in a way that is very. Yeah, beguiling, but also you know, open for for interrogation, as you said. You know, the, that that desire to unpack it. You know, what what is it that that, that makes the Super Bowl um, this expression of Americanness? You know, and 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 equally being able to trace that right back into um, into the nineteenth century uh, and follow that that story through. You know, no, I, it's definitely not too American for <laughs> if, if you want to define it in those terms. I'm sure that some someone in a, a different country that was trying to access it or just immediately becoming exposed to it, there is often probably a reaction of oh, that's too American, and that, that's I, I could never that will never resonate with me in the way that some other sports will because it's too American. But I think that, like Tom said, ooze is the correct verb. You know, when you go to the Super Bowl and before the game kicks off, and I find this slightly problematic, and put this is how it goes. I mean, there's a field sized American flag unfurled every single time they play one of these games and they sing the national anthem. You know, it's impossible to extricate those two things from one another again, in a way that I find slightly problematic and probably unnecessary, but that is certainly the way that they've tried to build the sport and try to brand what the game is, uh, purposely from essentially the start of this game you know the pageantry and the marching bands and you know, that's what the super bowl halftime show was early on it was a marching band at midfield that is it feels quintessentially american so i think every single aspect of it has been that way for a long time and, and i almost couldn't imagine it any other way and for good or for ill and just just picking up on that i think as well 
you know, one thing we haven't done much of, what you certainly could do, is, is look at the way in which that, that football field and, and everything that surrounds it really maps out so many fault lines in American life as well. I mean, we've talked about it as being a kind of uniting um, space for, for Americans at, at a time when there are precious few, right? And that is certainly something, the immediacy of it, the, the, you know, the, um, the fact that it does bring people together. But, but yeah, absolutely, it still also kind of traces out all of those fault lines in American culture that along lines of gender, race, class, all of those things, you know, they are also being dramatized on the football field. And that's another reason why, why it's such a fascinating spectacle. Mm. And uh, just finally, uh, Robert, if we've managed to pique anyone's interest in this episode to, to explore football, uh, the Super Bowl further, what is your, and I'm putting you completely on the spot here, uh, what is your all-time favorite Super Bowl moment that someone can can Google? <laughs> I've seen a, a lot of them. I've been to, I think I've been to eight or eight Super Bowls now. And uh, the ones that I've been to for the most part have been fantastically exciting. I, I, it's hard to pick just one. You know, I was there when the Patriots were down 28 to three with about 20 minutes left in the game and came back to win uh, that there was just absolutely floored. I think everyone in that building, the Super Bowl where Malcolm Butler on the, and again on the Patriots intercepted Russell Wilson on the one yard line in the final play of the game. I mean, I was standing around journalists who have been doing this for decades and they were screaming, you know, in a, what is supposed to be a professional environment because of how shocking that moment was. I mean, so many others, the Patriots Eagles Super Bowl was just back and forth the entire time. And it was thrilling till the, the final moments. Uh, the, this year's Super Bowl was the same way. I mean, it comes down to you know, the last play of the game and you, know, you have the best player in the world kind of going you know, back and forth with arguably the best team in the league. So, I mean, a lot of those really stick with me just because I was in the building for them. And I don't go to a lot of NFL games anymore. The contours of my job have changed over time. You, know, you don't need to be at a game to analyze the game. I think you could probably make an argument that it's easier to do it from your TV because you get multiple looks at every play and you can kind of be have all of your command center around you as you're watching this and we're doing a podcast immediately after. As long as they'll let me go, I'll go. Even if it's not the best way to do my job, I ask to go, I want to go because there really is something special about being there in the building. And I think that that is proven out time and time again, year after year. This episode of America, a history podcast is produced, hosted and edited by me, Liam Heffernan. A special thanks to our guests, Tom Smith, but also to Robert Mays for joining us from the athletic football show. And if we've piqued your interest, do check out some of the additional resources in the show notes. Please also remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can leave us a rating and review via Apple, that would be amazing and will help other people find the show as well. In the next episode, we're joined by renowned author and journalist Gary Young as we dispel some of the myths around the civil rights movement.